0: Man, all right, look at verse 1 of First John chapter 5. It says, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth Him that begat, loveth Him also is begotten of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God, and when we love God and keep His commandments, for this is the love of God that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is He that overcometh the world but He that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? The title of my message this morning, it might sound like heresy. When My wife heard it. She thought it sounded like heresy. But it's called, How to Overcome for Salvation. How to Overcome for Salvation. Now, the reason I'm preaching this message this morning is on Wednesdays I've been preaching through the book of Revelation. I did chapter 2. Uh, this Wednesday, uh, or last Wednesday, next Wednesday, I'm going to be doing chapter 3. And over and over again, we see to each church, Jesus made a statement, you know, to him that overcometh. And there are people out there that are teaching that there is a time coming in the tribulation in the future when in order to be saved, you are going to have to overcome some things, basically teaching a works salvation in the future. Okay, Now, in the Baptist world, you rarely see anyone who teaches a works-based salvation now, even though there are some. But there's some that are even teaching that in the future, and I'm going to show you that there—I mean, there is there are zero references to us physically overcoming something to be saved. There, that is, the, and I made that claim on Wednesday, but I didn't have time to necessarily go and back it up. But that's what I want to do today. I want to back up what I said because I was right in what I said. When it's talking about overcoming in Revelation, it's not talking about some things that we have to do in order to keep our salvation or in order to gain our salvation. That is just not the case. And I intend to show that to you today. And I'm going to show you how to overcome for salvation. And it was very simply, it was put right here in 1 John, the same guy who wrote the book of Revelation. He said, "You know, who is he that overcometh the world? but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, that's what we teach here today. We teach that a person who gets saved is not a person who turns their life around, who repents of their sins, who starts doing good. A person who gets saved is one who believes on Jesus Christ. And what does that mean to believe on Christ? It means you're trusting in His work to get you to heaven and not your own works. Most of the time in the Bible, when you would hear somebody preaching salvation and preaching about repentance you'll see it was not them preaching that you had to turn from their sins. They were always preaching that to a religious crowd who thought they were going to heaven because they were good. They were preaching that because they were trying to get people to stop trusting in their works and to repent of that and to start trusting in Jesus Christ and His work and what He did. That's what the Bible teaches when it talks about repentance. So the question is, how is us just believing on Christ Overcoming the world. How is that? Because, I mean, the Bible talks about a lot about us overcoming, and us just believing, well, that doesn't take anything. I mean, there doesn't seem like there's any effort to that. How is us just believing in Christ overcoming the world? Just a few things I want to show you before we get to a lot of the passages that talk about this. One thing you've got to understand is that Jesus Christ is our high priest. Okay? The Bible teaches that. And I don't have time to preach a whole message on Jesus Christ being our high priest, but I, ha- I did preach through uh, the entire book of Hebrews. But let's go to Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 19. I want to show you something here, okay? Now, as Baptists, we believe in the priesthood of a believer, alright? We don't have a priest, alright? I'm not a priest. Do not call me father, alright? I'm not a priest. But we do have a high priest, and it's Jesus Christ. And we are our own priest, you could say, but Jesus Christ is. Is the high priest for us. And in the Old Testament, the high priest, there were certain sacrifices that only the high priest could do. And the high priest, he would do these things on behalf of the people of Israel. And we see in the Old Testament that when the high priest would do these things, God would credit the people in our country today that do things on behalf of us. But it's technical. Or give the injection, however it is they do it. They do it on behalf of us, but we are credited for doing it or or not doing it in the case of Illinois many times. But the same thing with a high priest. He would do the work, but then God would credit the people for having accomplished it. That was a very common thing, and it's something that we all ought to understand. And Jesus Christ is our high priest, so we actually get credited for the good things that Jesus did. Why? Because He did it on our behalf. Look what it says in Hebrews 7, verse 19. It says, For the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope uh, by which we draw nigh unto God. And inasmuch as not without an oath He was made priest, for the priests which were made without an oath, but this with an oath by him that had said unto him, The Lord swear and will not repent, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. And they truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. But this man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood, wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost, that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. We see in the Bible that priest, one, he was limited. One, because he had his own flaws. He had his own problems. He had to do his own sacrifices and things for himself. Jesus Christ is a better priest, high priest, because... He has no flaws. He has no sins of His own. Many of the laws and things they had to follow, some of the things would go until the death of that high priest. But the priest that we have now, Jesus Christ, He liveth forever. Therefore, the Bible says He's able to save them to the uttermost. He can save anybody and He can keep all of us saved because of the fact He will never die. We will never be dependent on another high priest. So it says in verse 26, for such a high priest became us. In other words, You know, this works out good for us. "...who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens, who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice, first for his own sins, and then for the people's. For this he did once when he offered up himself. For the law maketh men high priests which have infirmity, but the word of the oath which was since the law maketh the Son..." who is consecrated forevermore. So there's a lot of deep stuff in here that we could talk about, but ultimately what you need to get from this is Jesus Christ is our high priest. He is holy. He is undefiled. He is separate from sinners. And because of that, He is able to save us. You say why? Because for the wages of sin is death. If you sinned, you need to die. Or someone could die in your place. Guess who did that? Jesus Christ did that for you. You're a sin. You're The the law has. There's a lot of laws and there's things that need to be kept. There's things that need to be taken care of. We have not done those things, but you know what? Jesus has done those things. And you know we can't be certain things for uh, in order for us to go to heaven. Okay? We can't be a liar in order for us to go to heaven. The Bible says all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire. You say, well, I've told a lie before, but Jesus hasn't. Jesus has never told a lie. Jesus never killed anybody. Jesus never stole anything. Jesus never said a cuss word. Jesus never did one bad thing. Jesus Christ lived a perfect life and He did that on our behalf. Therefore, since if you have put your faith and trust in Him and you've made Him your high priest, you all understand that we get credited for His works. That's called imputed righteousness. So we are overcomers if we believe on Christ because Jesus Christ did all the work because he is our high priest. Look what it says in Romans chapter 4 and verse 20. Says talking about Abraham, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able also to perform. And therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now, it was not written for His sake alone that it was imputed to Him, but for us also, to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on Him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised up again for our justification. What does that teach us? Jesus died for us. Jesus rose again for us. Jesus did it all for us, Why? Because He is our high priest. So guess what? We get credited for His righteousness. We, uh, we receive imputed righteousness just like Abraham did. The Bible says Abraham believed God and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. The Bible says if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. Abraham believed God and it was counted kind unto of him for righteousness. We get saved by believing on Christ And if you believe on Christ, 1 John spells it out, makes it crystal clear, no two ways about it, you are an overcomer. You overcame what needed to be overcome for salvation. And you say, but I didn't do anything. No, but Jesus did. Jesus did it for you. That overcoming, this is not an act that you do. This is something that Jesus did for us. And and the Bible calls us overcomers. What's He doing? It's crediting us for what Jesus did. Isn't that exactly what Romans taught? It's imputed righteousness. And so it would be foolish for us to glory in ourselves. Galatians chapter 6, verse 12 says, "...and as many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised only, lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh." They want to have you do this work of the law so they can glory in your flesh. People want to do these works of the lost, they can go tell everybody, you know what, I, I received the circumcision. I, you know, or many churches teach you have to be baptized to go to heaven. Why? So they can glory. So they can say, I did something. But listen to what Paul said. He said, but God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. Paul's saying, God forbid that I would glory or brag or bring up or exalt anything other than what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary. God forbid that I would get up and I would tell somebody, I know I'm going to heaven because I've been baptized. God forbid that I would get up and I would tell people, I know I'm going to heaven because I go to church. I'm a good person. I never killed anybody. I do unto others. I'm nice to my neighbor. I help the poor. God forbid that that would ever come out of my mouth. You know what should come out of my mouth? The people ask me, hey, how do you know you're saved? How do you know you're going to heaven? Jesus paid it all. Jesus Christ paid it. I believed on Him. I trusted in Him. And I'm not going to talk about my righteousness. I'm going to talk about His righteousness. Well, I know you. You've done this. You've committed this sin. You've done that. You know, you. know Yeah, I have, but Jesus didn't. Jesus never sinned. Jesus never told a lie. Jesus wasn't an adulterer. Jesus wasn't any of these things. Jesus wasn't a murderer. Jesus wasn't a thief. And I have received His righteousness. So whatever sin you want to try to pin on me, it doesn't work because Jesus Christ paid it all for me. I overcame those things by believing on Him. Because believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. So there are some Baptists out there teaching and many of them, they would they would agree with what I'm telling you right now, but they're teaching that even in the future, in the tribulation, in order to go to heaven, you're going to have to do works. And they will use passages from the book of Revelation where it uses the word overcome and the word overcome is used a lot in Revelation. But understand too, it was written by the same guy who wrote the book of 1 John and who also wrote... The Gospel of John. So let's look at some of John's other mentions of overcoming. Before we get to Revelation, let's look at what John said in John chapter 16 and verse 30. And let's see if he was talking about the same thing there. This is the words of Jesus right here. In verse 30, it says, Now are we sure that thou knowest all things and needest not that any man should ask thee, by this we believe that thou camest forth from God. Jesus answered them, Do ye now believe? Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come that ye should be scattered every man to his own and shall leave me alone. And yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. These things have I spoken unto you that in me ye might have peace. And Jesus tells them, hey, in me ye have peace. In the world ye have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. What's He saying right here? He's saying, hey... We can trust in Him and we can be at peace if we believed on Him because He overcame the world. Now, why is that important? That's very important because in the world when we have tribulation, oftentimes we get defeated. Oftentimes we get discouraged. Oftentimes we sin. We mess up. And you know what? There's even going to come a day too and there has been times in the past where people even were killed. Where people even died. And the Bible, and I'm going to show you in Revelation 2 when it talks about the Antichrist, you know, prevailing over the saints. It's talking about him killing them and him prevailing over them and him him overcoming them. And we often can be overcome in the world physically ourselves, but y'all realize we don't have to overcome the world. Jesus did. Y'all see what Jesus said there? He said, In me you have peace. Why? Because I overcame the world. But don't I need to overcome the world? Obviously not. Otherwise Jesus would have told you you need to overcome the world too. You see, if I had to overcome the world, I couldn't have peace because I might get defeated. I still have a sinful, vile body. But Jesus never told me that me personally I had to over is through Jesus Christ, through His work, not our own work. But there's people today they're wanting to take verses about overcoming and they make it about us. And that is inappropriate and it's wrong. And I'm going to show you that. But let's look at another verse. Uh, 1 John chapter 4. This is all, so, same person, right here. He said, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out in the world. Hear by God, and this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that should come, and even now already, is in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Overcame who? Who did we overcome? You overcame those who said Jesus has not come in the flesh. You have overcame those who have denied Christ. And it says, uh, greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world. He didn't say greater are you than they who are in the world. No, greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak of the world. And the world here, it doesn't say greater are you than those that are in the world. No, it says greater is He that is in you than he, than he that is in the world. Why is that? Because we overcome through Jesus Christ. He overcame. Therefore, if you are in Christ, you are an overcomer. End of story right there. You are an overcomer. People say, well, no, they're not an overcomer. They never got in church. They never got baptized. Well, you know what? Jesus did get baptized. You know, well, They're still cussing. Yeah, but you know what? Jesus never did cuss. They're doing this. They're doing that. But Jesus never did do those things. If they were supposed to do something, Jesus did those things. He is our high priest, and he does. He he uh, he saves all those who will believe on him. All those who will call on his name. That's what the Bible teaches. And so when in John, in the book of John, in First John, it's crystal clear. I mean, just plain English that it's Jesus that overcomes, not us. But for some reason, when we get to the book of Revelation. All of a sudden now, it's us and not Jesus. I'm here today to tell you that it's still Jesus that overcomes. Well, I give the eat of the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Alright? Now, we don't have... But are you sure? Because it says to Him that overcometh. Are you sure that's what that means? Because everywhere else we see overcoming, it's, ta- it's saying those who believe on Christ are overcomers. And let me show you in Revelation... Look at Revelation chapter 22. Revelation 22... And verse 12, it says, And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according to his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do His commandments, that they might may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh lie." I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. And the Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him that hear it say, Come, and let him that is athirst thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Now many people, because this is the very last chapter in the Bible, they will act like this is something that is way out there in the future showing that it's going to be different then. You've got to overcome you know you have to keep the commandments and all these things, but this while this is at the very end of the Bible and he's talking about some things that are out in the future. This right here is a message to those in present time that John was writing to, and we see that we do keep his commandments because it says, "Buzzy to keep." In verse twenty-six, John chapter six and verse twenty-six, you say, "But in it, you'll do his commandments." Here, here's the thing we got to realize. Nobody does his, all, all His commandments. There's a lot of people that think they do, but they don't. And listen to what it says in John 6.26, Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek Me not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for the meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for Him hath God the Father sealed. And then they said unto Him, What shall we do? that we might work the works of God. All right? This is what the Jews struggled with, and this is what many religious people struggle with. It's always what must I do? What must I do? What did the jailer say? What must I do to be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ now shall be saved. It was real simple, wasn't it? This is what the Jews kept doing. What do we have to do? What do we have to do to work the works of God? All right? Obviously we got it. Obviously works got to get you into heaven. And it does take works to get you into heaven, just not your works. It's the work of Jesus Christ. But these people, they're not getting it. And look what it says. Um, 29, Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on Him in whom He hath sent. Y'all see that? That's pretty clear there, isn't it? This is the work of God, that ye believe on Him in whom He hath sent. Then said they therefore unto Him, "...what sign showest thou then, that we may see and believe thee? And what what dost thou work? Our fathers did eat man in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but My Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is He which cometh down from heaven." and giveth life unto the world. We see here over and over again, I I wish we had time to just go to all the passages. I've got so much Scripture I'd like to go to. That This this is something that God gives. God gives the bread. God gives salvation. It's a free gift. It's not of works. I mean, over and over again, the Bible says that. But yet, people have it in their mind, I've got to do some works. There's something that I want to do. Why? Because pride gets in their way. And the Bible says that the works of God that you need to do is you need to believe on Him. But then why does it mention all these commandments? Because we're supposed to understand that we're sinners, we can't do those commandments, and we've got to call on Christ, and we've got to trust in Him, and His works that He does, because He did the works, we get credited for them. So how are we going to do His commandments? Believe on Him. You know, when you see Revelation chapter 22, you know, blessed they that do His commandments, they can have right to the tree of life. How am I going to do His commandments? The Bible tells us. It already told us before we got to Revelation the way we do His commandments is believe on Him. Why? Because He did the commandments for us. It's like the... the look, open up your bulletins. I didn't even have these in my notes, but open up your, your bulletin. Our monthly memory verse that we've been doing. Listen to this. I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify Him with thanksgiving. This also shall please the Lord better than an ox or bullock that hath horns and hoofs. The humble shall see this and be glad. Okay, just Hey, just that praise of the Lord, praising God, doing things from the heart, that pleases God more than a bullock that has horns and hoofs. More than a sacrifice that you can bring, you doing something from the heart pleases God more. But you know what? There's a lot of people out there with pride that says, you know what? I can be good enough. I want to do something. But you know what? The humble, look what it says next, The humble shall see this and be glad. And your heart shall live that seek God. But you know what? Those who are proud, I don't like that. I want to do some, I want to give a sacrifice. I want to do some kind of work myself. That's what the proud does, but the humble say, Jesus did it all for me? I'll take that. Hey, yeah, I can't do that. Yet for some reason when people get to the book of Revelation, it doesn't matter that Jesus did it for us anymore. It's not about believing on Christ anymore. It's all of a sudden, we have to keep all the commandments. Nobody's ever done that except for Jesus Christ. And yet, they just want to apply this to things that we have to do. And you know what? There's no two people in the world that teach that that have the same standard for what you have to do. Because you, you know why? They all have a standard. And you know what their standard is? Them. Whatever they've done. Whatever they've done that's the standard that everybody else needs to keep. No, actually, the standard we need to keep is what Jesus Christ did, and we can't do that, so we've just got to trust in Him. So, uh, let's look at a few more of these references. Look at Revelation two eleven. It says, "He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches." Now, I mentioned this on Wednesday. Jesus, when He would speak parables, after you before or after many times, when He would get done, He would say, "He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear." You know why he's saying that? Because there was a spiritual message there that you're supposed to get. And the Pharisees never could get the spiritual message. You know why? Because they weren't saved. And Jesus told his disciples it wasn't for them to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. You know why? Because they would not believe on him. Because they wouldn't believe on him, Jesus spoke to them in parables, and they would always end it He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Does that mean the Pharisees didn't have ears? No, they had ears. They could pass a hearing test, but they weren't hearing things spiritually. You know why? Because they hadn't believed on Christ. What we are seeing here in Revelation is something that is written to saved people. He that hath the ears to hear. It's to save people. But we've got a lot of lost people that are looking at it, and they're like the Pharisees. They can only see the works. They can only see the physical aspect of it. They're thinking, I've got to do this. I've got to do these things in order to be saved. Not understanding that the overcomer is he who believes on Christ. And that Jesus overcame these things. Jesus did these things. And so in verse 11, it says, He that overcometh shall not part in the first resurrection, on such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with Him a thousand years. You all see that? Whoever has part in the first resurrection, the Bible says the second death has no power. Alright, so what do I got to do to be for that first resurrection? Well, I'm glad you asked me that. Look what it says in First Thessalonians chapter four. First Thessalonians chapter four and verse thirteen. But I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Look at this. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with them. For this we say unto you, by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself should descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Y'all see that? Right here is a reference to the first resurrection, and the Bible says that those who are a part of that are those who believe that Jesus died and was buried and rose again. What does that mean? Those who believe on Christ. So if we believe on Christ, the Bible teaches very clearly, we will have part in the first resurrection. And guess what? Upon the first resur- those who are part of the first resurrection, the second death has no power. So now you tell me how in the world you can go to Revelation chapter 2, and when it says to him that overcometh, he shall not be heard of the second death, and make that about our works. You can't do that. You can't do that without being very dishonest with the scriptures. Without ignoring most of what the Bible, I mean everything that the Bible teaches, and all all the verses that talk specifically about overcoming. So look at verse seventeen of Revelation chapter two. I probably won't have time to get through all of these. It says he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh, will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in that in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. So notice what he says. He says, I'll give them of the hidden manna. Well, what is that hidden manna for sure? Well, you know, I'm not positive on this, but what is it remember what we read in John six, where they were asked for that manna? It says in John six, thirty one, our fathers did eat manna in the wilderness, in the desert, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven. "...but My Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is He which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world." They said unto Him, Lord, evermore, give us this bread. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. You know what? And the Bible teaches they didn't get that bread because they wouldn't believe on Him. They wanted bread that they could put in their hands. They wanted manna like their fathers had in the wilderness. But Jesus said, No, Moses didn't give you that true bread from heaven. He's and what he makes it very clear that he was that true bread from heaven. And that the way you get him is by believing on him. And so for you to all of a sudden now when you're in Revelation, now you've got to like eat this man, or if you're going to get that man, you've got to do these works. No, the Bible's already promised it to him that overcome it. To him that believes that Jesus is the Christ. All these promises that we're seeing to the churches in Revelation were already promised to those of us who are believers. To those who have believed on Christ. It's like that with all of them. Look at what it says in verse 26 of Revelation 2. And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. You all see that one right there? Right there it mentions keeping your works. Look. Look at it again. And he he that overcometh and keepeth My works unto the end. You all see that? Here He's talking about doing two things. And so how can you say overcoming is doing the works when over here Jesus says he that overcometh and keepeth My works unto the end? What's that all about? Okay? I'll show you what that's talking about. Go to Luke chapter 19 and verse 16. Okay, the overcoming here very clearly is believing on Christ, and the keeping of the works is separate. And keeping the works is not about salvation. Us overcoming physically, which some of us will and some of us might not, that doesn't have anything to do with whether or not we will go to heaven or hell. But it does have everything to do with our position in Christ's kingdoms. It has everything to do with the rewards. It says in Luke 19.16, "...Then came the first saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained ten pounds. And He said unto Him, Well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in a very little, have thou authority over ten cities." And we're not going to read that whole passage. But those who are faithful, those who do overcome things in the flesh, they will be rewarded according to their works but the overcoming for salvation is what Jesus did our works is separate from that and this specific thing that he talks about the very specific thing that he talks about in there that will come to those who are saved and who overcome or not overcome but who do the works those people they will they'll have a special place in God's kingdom they will reign over cities just like Jesus taught the disciples. Is it not clear that he's teaching the same thing right here? And we ought to do works, folks, not so we can go to heaven, but so we can have a better position in God's kingdom one of these days, so we can have better rewards. Revelation three five. He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. So does that mean I got to do works for him to confess? My name before the Father? Well, let's look and see what he said in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 32. It says, Wherefore, or whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven, but whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. So, what does that mean to confess God before men? Well, Romans 10.8 says, But what saith that the word is nigh thee even in thy mouth and even in thine heart? That is the word of faith which we, which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You all see that? For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. So what does that mean when He's saying that whosoever will confess me all right, it's talking about believing on Christ. Okay, those of you who are saved, you know, you've made a profession of faith. What does that mean? If you're a part of this church, if you're a member of this church, what does that mean? It means you confess Christ. We asked you, hey, how do you know you're saved? And you didn't tell us about your works. You told us about Jesus Christ, and you you told us that you had called on the Lord. You confessed Jesus Christ, and so when it says him that um you know, him that overcometh, I will not blot his name out of the book of life. Well, we know we have eternal security. We can't lose our salvation, and we also know that He will confess us before the Father. He had already promised that back when He was on Earth, and He is just repeating it here in Revelation chapter three. And so, do I even need to go through all of these? Do I do I need to go through all of them because I I can't. I mean, I really I can't. Let me just do some of these real quick. Revelation three twelve. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God. And I will write upon him my new name. So in order to be a pillar in the temple, though, you got to do the works. Well, are you sure? Because it doesn't say the works here. It only says to him that overcometh. So just if we believe on Christ, we're going to be a part of that? Absolutely. Ephesians chapter two and verse 19. says, "Now, therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the spirit, right there in Ephesians. After he said in verse eight, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, he said that we are a part of that building, we are a part of that temple of God, just like Jesus said in Revelation chapter three. Same thing. It's the same promises, these are not new things. It's to those who overcome, and just like it was taught in the rest of the Bible, those who overcome are those who believe on Christ. Revelation 3.21, "...to him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame, and am set down with my Father in His throne." Now, this particular one, this particular one, I can't necessarily find a verse where it says that before. Alright? But here's the thing. While I can't find a previous promise of those who are saved sitting on the throne, you know... Wouldn't it be safe to say that if the previous six times it said to Him that overcometh, it meant those who believed? Isn't it pretty safe to say the seventh time it's the same thing? I mean, if six times in a row Jesus said to Him that overcometh, and it clearly, with just a little bit of study, it's those who believed on Him, I think it's safe to say the seventh time it's for those who believe on Him too. He's just revealing another promise to us. He's just giving us another promise. Just because it's not mentioned before doesn't mean it's not going to happen. He's just giving us another promise. He's revealing one more thing to those who are saved. To those who have believed on Christ. And you can talk all you want about how sorry some Christians are. You can talk all you want about you know, just how sorry some people are just because they believed on Christ, but they never did this, they never did It doesn't matter. Jesus did all those things. And they get credited for His righteousness just like we get credited for His righteousness. And when it comes to overcoming for salvation, it is for those who believe on Christ. And so, what about so what about in the tribulation? You know, what if I take the mark of the beast? Will I go to hell. That's what everybody. That's what everybody wants to worry about. Look what it says in Revelation chapter thirteen, verse seven. And I find it interesting that you know, over and over again, you know, people always come up with these what ifs. What if I mess up? What if I go kill somebody? What if I do this? And we all it's like, hey. Jesus Christ is our high priest. He ever maketh intercession for us. All right? He's got us covered. He did the works. And for some reason, when it comes to this one thing, we're just like we're just like the Catholics, we're like the false religions, we're like the the Jews, we're like all what must I do? You know, sir, surely I've got to do something. It never was before. It was always what Jesus Christ did. So you're saying we can't take the mark let's look at what the Scriptures say. It says, "...it was given unto him," talking about the Antichrist, "...to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given over all kindreds and tongues and nations and all that dwell on the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of the the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world." Alright, so notice something here. First, it says here that the Antichrist overcame them. Why? What's that talking about? Physically overcoming them. He physically overcame the life Because Jesus said, in the world ye shall have tribulation. But Jesus said, be of good cheer. He didn't say, you have overcome the world. He said, I have overcome the world. Okay? Jesus did that. And it said that those who worship, alright, those who worship, those who took the mark, are those whose names were not written in the book of life. Well, I already showed you if you believed on Christ, your name's in the book of life. So right there, the Bible makes it very clear. If your name's in the book of life, you're not doing that. And you can say, "Well, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I've got the strength. I don't know if I have the willpower. You know, what if I mess up? Well, Revelation 12.11, the Bible says, "...and they overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death." So the Bible makes it very clear that those who are saved will not take the mark. That's, the Bible is very clear about that. But yet, we'll still sit here and we'll obsess saying, what if I do? Worrying about ourselves. Worrying about ourselves. Listen, we can. you can trust in Christ now and you can trust in Him in the future. And you said, All right, so what are you, what are you talking about? Are you saying is it possible for a Christian to take the mark? No, I'm saying it's not possible. And here's why. It's not because you're strong... It's because He is strong. Look at, let's, look at, let's look at some more promises real quick. See, not, Nobody's 100% sure how everything's going to go down in the tribulation. and But I am 100% though, that there is something that I must... you know, or If there is something that I must do in order to stay saved, that Jesus will do it through me. I'm 100% sure of that. Why? Because the Bible says that. Look at Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13. Just about done here. Philippians 4.13. I think these are very important verses here. Or uh, not Philippians 4. Or yeah, Philippians 14. That's what the Apostle Paul said. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Y'all see that? I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Look at what 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says in verse 11. It says now all these things happen unto them for examples, for they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. I'm not always faithful, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from my idolatry. I believe this is a reference to end times and what's to come. And the Bible says He will make a way of escape. Paul said, "I can do all things through Christ." Therefore, if I need to die for my faith, if I need to do that, I will be able to do it through Christ. And if you're saved today, you'll be able to do it too. You can say all you want. I'm a coward. I give up too. Listen, if you're saved, if you need to do that. You'll be able to do that. God promised you'll be able to do that. You can say, I don't have the strength, but you know what? Here's why you don't have the strength for that right now. You know why you don't have the strength for that right now? Because you don't need it right now. Do you all understand that? God doesn't need to give you the strength for that when you don't need it right now. We're safe right now. okay? But you know what? His strength, the Bible says, is made perfect in weakness. He will be there when we need it. Whatever comes our way, you don't need to sit and fret and wonder if you'll take the mark. If you're saved, if you're a believer, you are an overcomer through Christ. And you won't do it. And you can get, be as down on yourself as you want. You can talk about how weak you are. But listen, I promise, if you're saved, He'll give you the strength. He promised that. Why? Because it, it also says in Philippians six, being confident of this very thing, that He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. When Jesus saved you, okay, He began the work right then in your life. He did the work. And He will finish the work. You did not get saved by your works. You do not stay saved by your works. You get saved by the work of Christ. And if there is something physically that we have to do in order to go to heaven, or if there is something that we physically cannot do as Christians... Jesus Christ will will help us out. He will get us through it. He promised that. And you know what? And if He gives us the strength, if if I do, I'll I'll admit it. You ask my wife about how much I like pain. I, I won't even let her pop my zit. I mean, it it, it it hurts too much. I don't I don't I don't like anything that involves pain. I'm a wimp. I cry like a baby. I refuse to go to a dentist because they hurt. I don't want to do those things. All right. I just I, I'm scared to death of pain. And I'm going to tell you right now. If I ever have to suffer or be tortured or die for the cause of Christ, I believe I will do it not because I trust Me. I trust Him. He will give me the strength to do it. And when I get to heaven, I'm smart enough, I know enough about myself that if I ever die for my faith, I'm not going to get to heaven and stand before Christ and say, did you see that, Lord? I know better than that. If I do something like that, I'm going to say, Lord... Thank You for getting me through that. Thank You, Lord, for doing that for me. Thank You, Lord, for helping me overcome because you know what? Without Him, we can do nothing, the Bible says. Without Him, we can do nothing. Yet some people today, they want to take their Bibles, they want to take the book of Revelation and say, you've got to overcome, overcome, overcome. If you don't do this, you don't do this. you're not saved, you're not going to heaven, the Bible spells it out that we are an overcomer if we believe on Christ. And if you've never done that, if you're trusting in your own works to get you to heaven, if you think that you've done you know, you know, some deed that you've done or some goodness in you is what's going to get you to heaven, you are dead wrong, my friends. You have not believed on Lord Jesus Christ. You might believe in Him. You might believe He existed. But you've got to put your faith and trust in His, in His works to get you to heaven. And when you do that, you are an overcomer and you will stand before Him one of these days clean in a white robe with imputed righteousness. Thank God for that. So, with that, let's all pray. Dear Lord, we thank You so much for Your Word. We thank You for doing the work for us. And we thank You for overcoming on our behalf. And dear God, I just pray You will help us just to rest in You, take comfort in You, and not to worry about things that are to come. Just understand that You're always going to be with us and You'll... You'll accomplish whatever needs to be accomplished in our lives. And if there's one here that's never put their trust in your works for salvation, I pray that they will do that today and you will help them be an overcomer. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and stand.